Hey, Carrie. Toodly do, Sandra. Toodly <laughs> do. And, oh my gosh. Okay. We're the Screaming Divas. Hello. If you don't know, yeah. that's what yeah. we do. Screaming Divas. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. And who did we interview today? This is a special one. This is a special one because this gentleman was our very first interview, but in a different capacity. So totally. it is Alexander Neath. Cheers. Cheers. When we first interviewed him, he was a general manager of the Canadian Opera Company. Mm -hmm. He has since moved on to a new and exciting position. But yes. You have to watch this interview to kind of figure out who that is, where it is. Ooh. We had a great discussion. His new position is definitely mm, larger, more Much. complicated. Yeah, more complicated. Different continent. And how cool is it to talk to him when the pandemic, we were just really truly within uh, the first month and a half of it, I think, and everything was shut down. And then to talk to him now and how, yes, we're still in the middle of all of it, but how opera companies and digital content and all that stuff is moving forward. And this whole other part of his job, um, you know, when we asked him one of the rapid fires was about what do you know too much about? And it was, he knows about sanitary items. I mean, like <laughs> people keeping people safe, you know? So the things we never knew we would learn. Absolutely. Who knew? This is what we have to do to, to get on stage and sing with an audience. I mean, I think we'd all jump through a hundred thousand hoops to be able to do that. So he's figured it out and they're working and they're doing it. And it was so fun to reconnect with him, especially to talk about this new position and yep. how he's making it work. He's amazing. Yep. Amazing person. So watch the clip, drink in one hand, clip on the other hand. <laughs> We love you all. Thanks for watching. Absolutely. And we'll see you soon. Stay safe. Bye. What is the strangest thing that you know too much about? Well, right now, it's sanitary matters. <laughs> <laughs> see, the funny okay. thing is when you, when you start in this job, you have this um, wonderful idea that when you're running an opera company being in opera it's all going to be about art it's not. well no, no nobody told me there would be a pandemic but even when i look back i mean i've been doing this now for well 13 years mm -hmm. um running opera companies there's so many things that came along the way um that i wouldn't have ever dreamed of having to deal with um yeah. But the big, the big satisfaction that we have in what we do is whatever comes along your, your whatever comes along your way during the day, and mm -hmm. however hard it might be, if you actually can sit down in the auditorium at night and the show starts and it's a good show, and you you kind of immediately find the reason yeah. you've been yeah. working for, and uh, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do that. Hello. Here we are. Yes, you are our original guest. Did you know that? Yes, I, I did remember that while I was waiting um, for you to let me in. Oh. Um, and it, it feels a little bit like um, being in this infinity loop. Because I think where we started, which was, I think, in March 2020. Yes. 
Yes. Um, it's still here. Ah! <laughs> I know. It, it, I, I, gun sales have to be up high. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Like, shoot me now. <laughs> Sandra. Well, at least. I know. Oh, I've I've had a week and a half, so we're not even going to go into that. But how how are you, honestly? Like, I mean, that's a horrible question to ask these days, isn't it? When I arrived in the office this morning, and see, the good news part is we're open. Yes. We're, we're performing. Yes. Um, we have full houses. And Amazing. with everything that I say, you kind of have to touch wood at the same time. Mm. Um, when I arrived this morning, I came up in the elevator um, with a couple of members of the chorus. And they asked me, how are you doing today? And it was, you know, 9.30 or so. So I said, right up to now, it's fine. But in the current situation, I take it really not even day by day anymore. It's more like hour by hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you just don't know. What what country is going to close next? What opera house is going to have to close? What boy? And I really thought we were turning that corner just about a month ago. And yes, you we were all in that trajectory of thinking like, okay, it's just going to get better slowly. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's somehow better, but not entirely. And there's certainly a lot of uncertainty. And um, I think what we've learned about this. Um, virus over the last 18 months um, is like you're on a, um, what do you call that? Like on a carousel ride. Yeah, merry-go-round. Um, <laughs> um, merry-go-round, yes. And, um, but it doesn't stop. Can I get off now? <laughs> Can I please yeah. get off now? <laughs> I think we would all like to get off, yes. So Paris now, uh, France, I read, we read yesterday that France has gone into, uh, I don't know, level four, whatever. They keep changing all these. What does that mean for the, the Paris Opera now? Anything, any changes? I think we don't have those levels. They're, they're made for us outside the country by other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Funny. That's interesting. Okay. So you're still um, the same today as yesterday as... Like our... our operational reality hasn't really changed since um, we started rehearsals again after the summer break. Um, now we're just rehearsing and performing all the same way, but it's a lot of mask wearing, it's a lot of um, testing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're just essentially what you try to do, you, you protect um, the outcome as much as you can and mm -hmm. try to, everything that is rehearsal and preparation um, you try to make it as um, safe and secure as possible. Um, internally, we've had a couple of changes. Again, we're kind of going back to where we used to be a couple of months ago. Like we don't mm -hmm. do big meetings anymore in person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But I think the rule now is like no more than six people in the same large meeting room. So yeah. um, <clears throat> I just had to um, figure out how Teams work works again. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that well. Uh-huh. How do how do we do the teams? Yes, I understand that. Okay, tell me this. I found this so exciting. You guys started um and I think it was an interview you were talking about that you have had over and probably more now over 700,000 views on your online streaming service that you started because of the pandemic. And I find that really awesome and fascinating. Is that something that even as we keep living through what we're living through, which we might be living through forever, is that something that you guys will still keep doing? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had we had a um, a project that already existed before the pandemic hit to create an online platform mm-hmm. um, for several reasons that I can get into in a minute. Um, and then we decided just to launch it a couple of months earlier. It was clear that theaters would remain closed, so we we essentially launched in December of 2020 instead of spring. So five six months early. Mm-hmm. So just that we we need to have that presence. Um, we also have. Um, had for a long time here a lot of very successful partnerships with um, the public and private audiovisual sector. They usually come and record our shows and distribute them, but we wanted also to have something where we have control of our own product, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, where we also can decide to, you know, establish a good mix between paid and free content. Cool. Okay. And really offer a large variety from the big main stage um, opera or ballet, right to some of the activities of our academy, the young artists, um, some of their recitals, but also documentaries that we do around our production. So a really large variety of of product that's thought as complementary to what we already do with our audiovisual partners. Wow. I think it's exciting. exciting. Yes, it's been really, wonderfully successful mm-hmm. um and it's really the combination of both like our own initiative and the um, partnerships that we had before i think aida sangra when that was live on arte mm-hmm. it had like um, i don't know three hundred thousand um people watching the live amazing um, and then you know i mean stayed up for a little while so that's it's yeah. incredibly impressive um, and you do that like in multiples of a full house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really very impressive. We had you know Gustavo's um, inaugural concert, which we also um, broadcast live and free um, on our own platform and on Mezzo Medici, and it had mm-hmm. one hundred and sixty thousand and counting, right? Wow. And, and I think it's it's very important. I mean, it's important for two reasons, right? We obviously want to bring people. Um, into the house mm-hmm. um, and have them enjoy the life experience. But there's so many people who are too far or who right in the current situation, it's just too difficult for them to travel. Yeah. Um, you never know which country you might get stuck in next. Exactly. Right. So, yes. um, and, and it's going to um, be around to stay. I mean, we, before the pandemic hit, hit, we were pretty much in a situation we, we had reached the maximum physical capacity in terms of mm-hmm. number of performances that we could put on in our two theaters, mm-hmm. um, but also next to like full attendance. So in terms of audience growth, physical audience growth would have been very difficult. So um, to do that virtually um, is very appealing. Of course, now with the pandemic, we're not really in a situation where everything's like full and sold out mm-hmm. completely. So we have to get back to that pre-crisis level of full physical attendance. Um, but that's the, the, the true audience growth in the end will be, um, I think, in the, in, in the virtual and in digital. So, so are you- I'm, And I'm quite excited about that. Yeah. I, yeah. Are you at 100% possibility capacity now or yes. are you- Okay. You can so, fill the house at 100% yeah. um, with mandatory masks. Okay. everybody in the in the auditorium and we have this sanitary pass which means you have to prove um, um that you're vaccinated that you've recently recovered or that mm. you're tested and it's not tested less than 24 hours ago oh okay 
so I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we have to um, kind of rewind a little bit here for our viewers, Alexander, because um, <laughs> you're in a different office than the last time yes. I saw you. And well, the last time we spoke, I was in no office. I was in my kitchen. We should tell our viewers that you are now uh, general director, general manager. How would how is the term? Because they're different everywhere of the Paris Opera. Correct. It's true. And you moved to Paris during a pandemic. Yeah, although it comes out when we moved in August of 2020 mm -hmm. was actually not such a bad moment because it was comparatively low at that, at that point. Wow. Yes. So the, a, a huge change in your life. Um, with a new baby, you moved over to Paris. How, how, how are things for you? Let, let's put the job part of that aside, but how is it living in Paris now and, and, and all of that going? I mean, to be completely honest, we haven't had all that much time to think about it. Mm. Because when I got here, when I started September 1st, 2020, um, with like everybody thinking by Christmas, all of this is going to be over. Right. <laughs> um, oh, we now, laugh at that now. <laughs> yeah. So now we're one Christmas later, almost. Um, and as I said at the beginning, it's still here. Mm -hmm. um, so, and of course, for, for most of, of this first year in Paris, Paris wasn't quite Paris. It was pretty much a city where everything was shut. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a little bit difficult to figure out what kind of life would be like under more or less normal conditions. And I think, I, I think we're still waiting for that to happen somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's slowly, it was slowly getting there. I, 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 have, I hope my glass is all, always half full. Sure. We all yeah. do, right? But it was, there was, there was definitely a part of it for me when I was there January, February of this year, Boy, that seemed like an age ages ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it feels like a lifetime like ago. ago. Wow. It um it there was there was something about being in Paris without all the tourists where things were still some things were open and it was really it was beautiful. It was a, a way to explore and see the city without you know all of all of those people there and the and the, all the Parisians that I talked to said, oh, we got our city back for a while. Mm. So, you know, it's it, double-sided, I suppose, but yeah. And how's your little girl? Mm -hmm. She's just turned two. That's amazing. Not so, not, not, not so little anymore. Not so little oh, anymore. No. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Sorry. Definitely. Thank you. Carrie, you I, you know, one of our questions was, you were the casting director from 2000, was it four? 2004 to 2008? And how has it changed for you now? What, what are the differences? What are the, I don't know, are there pros and cons? Or I know I've read that you said when you came back, it felt like, you know, you're coming back into this in a way the same family because of what you had before. So what are the differences between then and now? Yeah, I'm still trying to establish that because obviously um, there's still a lot of people that I worked with here um when i was casting director so there was a certain i think on both sides for me coming back to something that i had had some previous experience with but also for the people in the company to know someone was coming who knew the place who had been here 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then the whole situation ever since I started has been so unusual yeah. that there is like there's just two sides to it, right? There's the things that really have changed mm-hmm. um, factually mm. between 2008 and 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we have a slightly different funding model, a slightly different operating model. Okay. Um, but I actually have not been able to experience how that is applied properly because um, nothing has been, even in the new reality, um, it, it hasn't been the normal new reality either. And then of course, now we're already um, trying to figure out what the new, new normal reality after the pandemic will be. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the biggest change really um, for, for this company has been that um, government funding has declined from about you know 60% of the budget to 40. Really? So there That's is now huge. a... Um, and not so much because they've reduced the subsidy, but more because the budgets have grown and the subsidy wasn't increased. Okay. So, um, which means we have to make way more money um, at the box office than we used to. And we have to actually really raise money now from from donors, um, which um, we did before the crisis very successfully. I mean, I have to say that the fundraising has held up amazingly throughout the crisis. Um, with all the big individual, but also institutional partners really um, staying or even stepping up their game, which you know, is incredibly reassuring. Um, but of course, we have, like most organizations, uh, there has been a very extended period of no box office at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that that's, in, that's insane. Almost that almost, it sounds like what happened over here I don't know if we might cut this part out, but it's a lot of the singers that weren't couldn't make money in America. It was you have to figure out some other way to fill the coffers. And if you don't, you're in debt or you are sitting on government loans that you now have to pay off. So are you there's a phrase in America, we say we rob Peter to pay Paul. Is that what you've had to do to make ends meet? Well, see, our our issue is a little bit different because we have a, a very high fixed cost. Mm-hmm. with a company that has 1500 permanent employees yeah. so um in the old model um when we were at around 60 percent public subsidy the public subsidy covered the cost of the permanent staff okay and for the companies in europe but that is still the case it's much easier to weather the crisis because um by just not performing mm-hmm. you still protect the core You're right yeah. but in order for us to pay for the core we need to perform yeah. So we we depend we depended very largely on additional aid from the from the French government, which they um, provided, um, and we're very grateful for that. Um, but in the end, we need to go back into um, this dynamic where we have this big machine that turns and performs a lot and brings in a lot of um, box office money. Yeah, and goes on strike a lot. <laughs> No comment from Alexander. I give you a big smile. <laughs> I know. We'll cut that <laughs> I know. It, it's, you know, it, it is a very, the Paris Opera is a very unique machine because you are one of the few opera houses in the world who also has a ballet corps as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a big one, a, a wonderful one and a big one. Yes. And and the Garnier, if I am correct, is going to go under renovation soon, the Palais Garnier? Well, see, the Garnier is like a medieval cathedral. 
Yes. Right? Um, there's always something that's been renovated. And when you've done the <laughs> tour of the building, you start again. Um, okay. So there's always something. Um, but Garnier will be 150 years old in a couple of years. So, I know it's amazing. Um, it's, it's the most magnificent of buildings. When I was last there uh, for the for the celebration that we had, the concert that we had, I remember standing in one of the rehearsal rooms with these wood parquet floors. And all I thought was, I wonder if some of the people still working in the building, if their parents or grandparents had laid these floors because they were the original floors. And you think the history in that building and the Degas painting, you know, the ballerina and, and it, it's just you walk through it and it's like an, an art gallery, a museum, and, and it's, it's really spectacular. So you also run that theater. It's the greatest privilege. It is, it is. And it's unique because I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, the Royal Opera House in London is one of the only other opera houses, big opera houses that also has a ballet company. Well, I mean, see there's the Bolshoi and the Marinsky. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of um, companies in the German-speaking sphere who have ballet companies attached to them. What's what's unusual here is that the ballet really takes almost as much um, room as the opera. Yeah. But we have uh, we have a company of 154 dancers, um, so there's some really great big things that you can do. Uh, yeah, amazing. And a lot of performances too. No, sorry. No, go ahead. What about, there was talk about now a third theater being added in, in Paris. Is that on hold or is that moving forward? Well, it's been put on hold um, recently because the thing is that the volume of the theater is here, actually. It's just behind here, behind my mm -hmm. office. Um, it was part of the original Bastille project in 1989, mm -hmm. um, but was left as an empty, you know, concrete, um, space that was never outfitted um, and that's still what it is today so um, we haven't won or lost anything okay. um, but because of the massive aid that we um, did receive from the French government it didn't seem quite appropriate to push um, mm -hmm. for yeah. yet another hall to fill sure yeah, yeah yeah but you know possibilities for sure can we talk about something that I read and I wanted to see if this was true? Are you going to build something that's similar to what the Canadian Opera Company had, which was a young artist program? Are you going to build that next year in Paris? Oh, we already have a young artist program and have had one for God, right. a long time. Yes. Um, no, what you're talking about is uh, not necessarily according to the German model, but um, some kind of an ensemble of not singers in training, but professional singers okay. who you know, would spend a couple of years with the company um, on multiple assignments per year and on a mm -hmm. monthly paycheck rather than on a per show contract. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're um, exploring that quite seriously at the moment. And the, the, the thought was really coming from um, the economically precarious situation of a lot of singers um, for this period. And I think a lot of people have changed their um, attitude towards 
being in one place a lot. Yeah. Right. We were kind of in yes. the opposite dynamic before that. It's like I go from one contract to the other, and um, mm. it's, it's true. If you're a successful freelance singer, um, it, it can be not only very satisfying career artistically, but also economically. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in these rather turbulent times, um, I was actually quite surprised when we started talking about this publicly, that quite a few established artists knocked on our door and said, if you're really doing this, I'll do um, it. Yeah. Do not forget about us. You know, it's people who um, have families who maybe mm -hmm. some of them have younger children and they're just like, the, the idea of being based somewhere, at least for the majority of the year, um, it's, it's way more appealing to us in 2021 than it was in 2019. Absolutely. Because then you have a balance between work life and personal life, which most of us that do freelance, it's extremely difficult to have that kind of balance, especially when you add children into the mix of it. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I understand that. And are, I, are you thinking of having then um, more training for them, like a, a voice teacher and more coaching and acting and and all of that as well, kind of expanding the program? Um, well, it's not going to be the same program, right? Yeah. Um, the Young Artist Program is the Young Artist Program. And if something like an ensemble happens, it will be a completely different, different entity. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, people, yeah, members of the Young Artist Program could graduate into the ensemble, but not automatically. Mm -hmm. you know, because the way the way all recruitments for the artistic collectives work here, it's usually a, um, a concours, a competition. Mm -hmm. So you probably have to set up some similar thing. It wouldn't just simply be me picking who I want to. We would have to be a, have a more um, transparent um, process yeah. Yeah. around all of that, um, which, which I'm fine with um, because it kind of legitimizes your choices in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, the idea is if you have people who are there, who are resident, of course, one of the biggest advantages of a German ensemble theater is always that you can give role assignments um, and have them prepared in-house with the in-house staff um, two, three years before they actually happen. So you, wow. can, you can accompany um, an artist in a way that's very different from people who just arrive for the beginning of each contract, right? And, and, and have to take care of themselves of coaching a role and preparing right. it. Right. So that's part of the, the package that we're considering, right? That if you have people that commit to us um, on a more permanent basis, that one of the um, um, counterparts of the company would be um, to provide a more solid infrastructure around that. Love it. I think it's great. Exciting. I, I hope yeah. we're going to get there. There's a couple of um, um, issues with the contract structure, like the, the legal structure of those contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, that we're trying to figure out but you know keep your fingers crossed well you have the academy uh, attached as well to to the besties so you have a great wealth of talent there i mean the singers that i work with there are some of the best singers i've worked with in a while honestly they were extremely talented and it's a very good group of people yeah no you they've been chosen well so speaking of choosing well can we talk about your new music director? Please. How did how did that search go? I mean, Gustavo Dudamel. Wow. I mean, you got you got a rock star as your music director. That's like, ooh. 
See, for, for me, um, the really most important quality about Gustavo is that, yes, he, he's kind of a rock star, but of all the people, he's the least affected by it. Mm. Yep. Right? Yeah. It's the most unpretentious, um, down to earth, yeah. hard worker um, situation. Um, and you know, he just opened his first Opera's music director, the new yeah. production of Turon Dot, um, well, a couple of days ago, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really so nice to see how he already embraced by the company and by the audience. Um, quite, quite thrilling. Um, I mean, the way it all came together was really quite simple, um, like all good things. I didn't have a music director as part of my project for the opera. Mm. Because I knew that, you know, Philippe Jordan was going to leave, he had already announced he'd be leaving before I was appointed that he would go to Vienna and he had been there for a very long time, 12 years. Yeah. So I thought, if I get the job, I'm not gonna put forward the name without having like checked with people there, mm -hmm. right? And starting with Philippe, because if you um, are in that kind of position for such a long time, you kind of know the orchestra really well. Yes. You also know the guest conductors that have come through really well you know, what works with the orchestra, what the orchestra needs. Um, so I thought I'm going to start with asking them. And um, when I started asking them, there was one name that very quickly bubbled up to the surface. Yep. Okay. So Gustavo had been there once conducting a new production of Bohem in 2017. Okay. And so I thought, hey, you can, you know, like, there's nothing I'm going to lose by asking. Yeah. Right, Hi. always. So I called, I, I that. called, and that was really very shortly after my appointment, and not so long ago. You know, that was like in, in late August, no, at some point in August, um, two thousand nineteen. And um, I called the agent, and the agent said, "Well, let me ask him." Yeah. And the answer um, that came back was very prompt, and um, he accepted the first meeting, and we started talking about the project, and. Um, then we worked out the details and then COVID intervened and we were trying to find that moment where we could do an announcement in Paris yeah. where we could have you know people gather and um, sure. like a big event. And so finally we gave up and we did the announcement in April um, in front of a virtual audience that at least Gustavo <laughs> could come to Paris um, and, and be there with me or with us um, for that announcement. Um, amazing. It is amazing. Amazing. I, I can't wait to work with them. I really I've I've never worked with him before. Um, but I know he's I've seen him conduct both the LA Phil and uh, opera and I he's so passionate. Yeah, he really is. And it is thrilling performances that he leads. So congratulations, really. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, going forward now. Ooh. How do you see I mean, pandemic, do we call it a pandemic anymore? Is it an endemic? Is it? Feels like an endemic. Yeah, but. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that thing, we're just going to put it up. The thing. The thing. It. 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 Yeah. <laughs> With it. <laughs> how, how is that changing your job going forward? Are you having to cast differently? Are you having to produce operas differently or 
plan yeah, differently? I mean, I'm just well, curious even how you plan. I Well, I hope not. Um, okay. I think what it's already done is it has shortened the um, planning cycles quite a bit. Okay. Because you're so busy um, dealing with the pandemic all the time yeah. um, that you just cannot spend as much money as, uh, as much, not money, time, um, time as you want to on future seasons. Um, I think that's in part a healthy process because I think nobody needs to plan five to six years out. I, I think agree if we can, wholeheartedly. Yep. If we can if we can plan three ideally maybe four years for the big houses i think um it's completely sufficient it's a much more healthy um planning cycle you know long gone are the days when um Tibaldi would negotiate her met contracts for the following season while she was there <laughs> right um yeah, we're, not, we're not working like that anymore today but um, you know, I think it, we, we pushed that very far and it's not necessary. Um, so maybe we can humanize that a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I think it's, that's a welcome side effect maybe. Um, in the end, I think I don't really want to change all that many things, okay. right? Um, what, I, what I want is maybe for everybody to reflect a little on um, there was maybe a certain, how do you say that? Um, the whole thing started getting a bit overheated. Like I've been thinking a lot about um, taking planes a lot. And that was almost like, you know, you take like the shuttle to Europe because with the, with the, you know, the Dreamliner and the new Airbus and all of that, it had become so enjoyable and also so fast. Mm -hmm. And easy, right? yeah. Um, you, you, you ended up kind of, when you flew from Toronto to Paris, it was almost too short a flight to sleep um, yeah. overnight. Yeah. Um, and people had gotten into that dynamic of I can go anywhere at all times. And maybe we're going to appreciate that a little bit more, that going somewhere, it's kind of a bit more of a, you say, an occasion. Yeah. I think it's also made me think about um, a bit more specificity and programming. Right. I think there was a certain tendency of all the big upper companies in the world kind of doing the same things with the same people. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because like ours, like all the big companies, we need that variety of artists to come to us. And it's mm -hmm. kind of a uh, two-way street of exchange and inspiration. Mm -hmm. But I think also what I'm, what I'm interested in is kind of plan a couple of things every year that not everybody does and that kind of speak to our identity as the Paris Opera. And so we, we have a little bit of a project around what I call our um, repertoire, like the pieces that were created here. Um, some of them haven't really had a big history of the company for one reason or the other. Yeah. Um, but to kind of put that back into focus a little and say one, one piece every season is going to be drawn from that rich repertoire that we have that's almost 400 years yeah. um, of history. Like there's a lot to, to be found and the other you know slightly larger consideration uh, a certain focus on French repertoire since we're in Paris and you know um, and I think that is the health I think it resonates with the company to say this is there's actually people that pieces that we own um, and we want to own them again right we, we opened with um, Enesco's Oedipe 
which was created in Paris and had never ever been produced by the opera again after this um, wow. first world premiere run. And I think people were really um, surprised to cover that piece, discover that piece, and um, and French singers I mean, too. The, well, see. Um, French singers should always have a presence here. And it does a, it's also, as I said before, it needs to be a two-way street if you yeah. only have French singers. Um, it's not quite the right dynamic, but it needs to be a home, yeah. right? For the great um, French artists. I mean, we just, just had Ludovic Tessier here doing his first full run of Rigoletto at the Paris Opera ever. Cool. Um, and, and it does really like a homecoming moment in, the, in that kind of thing when you have, um, you know, arguably the greatest Verdi baritone of our time, doing a major role in Paris. That's what we should want to do with all the um, established French artists, but also with the ones that are coming up. We yeah. should have that relationship with them. You know, we have Sabine de Vielle debuting a Morgana at the Garnier at the moment, and there's other things like that happening. Um, yeah. Which Cause... are exciting. It is yeah. exciting. And, and, and I think we, we need to kind of, again, be their home. Yeah. But also really fight for the other ones to come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. If there's a problem with access and visa, because uh -huh. I think it's, you know, um, in the end, I think all of us, um, and I'm, I'm not a singer, but um, we all get inspired by these encounters with great artists. Right. If there's too much of kind of a, you even call that um, in French, they call it entre soi, where you people just stay, yeah, yeah, with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of at some point you reach a ceiling and you kind of need to kind of open the lid and let some fresh air in once in a while, and that's that's really important, yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. now, Carrie, there is a, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful, wonderful generation of young French singers, um, that are just kind of coming up and breaking through and yeah. it's it's so exciting to to see that happen and of course you know sadly some of those careers were kind of um stopped by you know 18 months plus of of covid and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of rescheduling and um mm -hmm. kind of we, we also need to be there to help them regain the speed that they've lost yeah absolutely well, i mean bernheim i mean his that faust that you did uh, was spectacular and he was amazing in it. And he really, to me, that was another level of, of singing. And Absolutely. And we're doing it again with an audience, I hope, um, cool. in June, July. Great. With the same cast, different cast? Um, it's almost the same cast. It's um, Benjamin, it's, well, Christian, again, on a horn. Mm -hmm. Um, as Mephisto, but it's going to be Angel Blue debuting as Marguerite cool. and Emily D'Angelo debuting as Tia Bell. Whoa, awesome, love it. That is an amazing cast, Alexander. That is, wow, wow. So tell me this, talking about singers, I read something that auditions are a little different now because a lot of singers haven't been singing as much as maybe they should have over the 18 months and so you're seeing a little bit more nervousness or a little bit it's a little yeah what do you do you have any thoughts about that or any advice for singers out there that are coming to your opera house to do auditions um i i don't detect a general rule 
mm-hmm. of what has changed. What I, what I do find is that for a lot of people who were very busy before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, some of them um, are singing a bit better mm-hmm. because they've had kind of this forced break of vocal rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. that they pr- might not have taken because you know there's always so many more things that you could say yes to mm-hmm. um for for some of the young ones i mean my biggest concern about young singers is always projection and how to fill a big auditorium because that's usually what you don't learn at the conservatory because there's right. no large spaces to fill right. so um and when you have um, a very large volume like bastille i mean garnier is also very big um even though it's our small theater Mm-hmm. Um, Garnier doesn't also have the most endearing acoustics, like it's really hard to sing there. Right. Um, you might remember that Sandra, I mean, the, 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 probably the only time you sang there was um, Pirata, no? And I did the concert, um, uh, the, the preview concert with, uh, oh, yeah. did I do Bocanegra? Was that the Bocanegra duet with um, Ludovic Tessier? I think that was it, okay. but yes. But yes, uh, it's a very dry Pirata. acoustic. Um, I, it's it's very good to audition people because you hear everything. True. Um, but the, the hall doesn't really help. I think Bastille is more intimidating, but it's actually better to sing in. Yes, definitely. You hear so, the resonance in the theater. Yeah. So very often, I mean, I remember that from my days as casting director, what happens very often when people come to audition at the Bastille, um, they walk out and they see the big space and you can see the panic. <laughs> um, right. And so they then try to mm-hmm. give more than they usually would in order to fill the space and then what i usually do is say okay let's do this again and sing with your voice good for you yeah. um so I, I don't think that has changed a lot i mean um it's interesting i mean because we've been performing full force ever since um the beginning of september um people tell you all kinds of different stories how they dealt with Mm-hmm. um this kind of forced um break and i think it's true that some people might suffer from a lack of confidence to still be able to do it mm-hmm. right and others are completely unaffected uh, even though they're probably a, a, a small um minority um and then for, for a lot of people it's really kind of getting the instrument back in back in shape it's the same for you know our collectives like the chorus the orchestra the ballet um you really depend on the regularity of, of yes. your activity to to everything stay you know for everything to stay warmed up um the way the way it's supposed to yep i agree the ballet dancers i mean do, what did they do did they still have classes when when the pandemic was going on or well we um we were shut down completely for a couple of months starting in middle of march 2020 but then um, as of the what they call the rentrée here, so late August, early September 20, we were always, always allowed to rehearse. Okay. Like we never stopped our um, rehearsal activity. For most of the time, we weren't able to perform for an audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the, the the fate that Aida suffered. Um, but we were able to do the rehearsal process, create the productions, um, record them, broadcast them, um, and yeah. that was very important. Yeah, for for dancers, I think you have to keep training singers as well. But I think your body orchestra, orchestra, orchestra too. You know, um, yeah. if the orchestra yeah. doesn't play together, 
Um, so we, we always try to find these moments um, last season for them to have a moment that was important. Like, you know, recording the ring with Philippe, but we did a really wonderful concert with um, Pablo Yervi, which is a conductor they had never worked with before, but kind of some moments to look forward to. Yeah. Carrie has a very important question to ask about oh. <laughs> about well, being he kind, of, he kind of already answered this by not being able to do too much but um i seriously wanted to know how much are you enjoying the culinary experience that paris is and if your pants are getting a little tight because of that <laughs> no no okay this is a really very very it's, it's a very important subject okay it is um um and it's fascinating because in my you know 15 or so months here I've actually lost weight and it's not for the it's not for the lack of eating I think it's eating better mm -hmm. I mean there's some um something about um, North American food and the way it's treated um, yes um, because I have this very simple principle um is suits don't lie <laughs> <laughs> right um, yes mm -hmm. Now um, and walking and I, too. You walk everywhere. Yeah, um, I think it's a combination of both. I, I I do. I made a very conscious decision to not just drive everywhere. I do take the metro, and the advantage of the metro is you always have to walk a little. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's the couple of steps every day. I think that keep me in much much better shape than I've been in a long time, actually. Um, so the suit that I'm wearing here, um, I think when I put it back on a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't worn it in a year and a half or so. Um, there so you in, go. It's kind of the little proud moments that one has right in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yeah, I lost weight during the pandemic too. It's, it's uh, Carrie has as well. I think it, it was a great time for us to just take care of ourselves a little bit. Well, can, let's be honest though, like the first part of the pandemic, I think everybody just went up. It was like, everybody <laughs> was drinking and everybody <laughs> Not having, having a Not good either. time and um i mean we have video proof of all of that alcohol consumption so that happened but then i think everybody was like um i don't feel so great we need to fix this we need to move so yeah then it all came back yeah. well, we i should... have to say what what kind of didn't work in my favor also is because i arrived here so quickly i still um was running the coc remotely for quite a few months before um right my successor parent came in mm -hmm. and I also um, kept doing Santa Fe for a little while um, oh, because there was also a very sudden um, departure from there. So I, I uh, suffered, suffered from a lack and didn't suffer from a lack of not being busy enough for the yeah. first few months here. Now I'm only with one job and that's really just wonderful. Perfect. Yay. Well, congratulations on that new job. Absolutely. And, and thanks for joining us again. Yeah, really. You, wanted, you you know that we like to do rapid fire if you have a few more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Shall I start? Go for it. What opera best describes yourself? Oh. oh. See, I've never thought about that. Um, I don't know. I, am, I never thought of myself as an operatic character. So I should maybe give you the question back to you. Tosca. <laughs> yes. So no, what, uh, what in your opinion, this, what opera describes you best in your opinion? Hmm. Ooh. That's not fair. That's not well, fair to look that back at us. 
definitely not Scarpia. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I would. Well, I would well, say thank, someone thank like. You, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Figaro, maybe. Okay, I like Figaro. It's one of my favorite operas, and we just started um, rehearsing the new production two days ago. Cool. Yeah, Figaro, because you know everybody loves you, and you keep things moving. That's what I would say. Carrie, you? Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. I don't know. I kind of feel like I need to have a think about that and then come back. I, I feel like there's a combination of characters, <laughs> not just one. That's true. That's true. Okay. Except I will, I will, I will await your verdict. Okay. All right. No problem. It's coming your way soon. <laughs> what is the strangest thing that you know too much about? Well, right now. It's sanitary matters. (laughs) See, the funny thing is when you when you start in this job, you have this um, wonderful idea that when you're running an opera company, being in opera, it's all going to be about art. Well, nobody told me there would be a pandemic. But even when I look back, I mean, I've been doing this now for, well, 13 years. Um, running opera companies. There's so many things that came along the way um, that I wouldn't have ever dreamed of having to deal with. Um, but the big, the big satisfaction that we have in what we do is whatever comes along your, your whatever comes along your way during the day, and however hard it m- might be, if you actually can sit down in the auditorium at night and the show starts and it's a good show, and you you kind of immediately find the reason you've been working for and uh, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do that I mean not everybody does right I think it's it's a real privilege Mm -hmm. um, to have that possibility to get you know satisfaction gratitude um, out of out of the work we do with with um, our resident invited artists and um, I was at the actually it was quite a beautiful moment we're doing a, a revival of Alcina um, at the Garnier at the moment, and um, it's a lot of role duties. Janine De Beek debuting as Alcina, Sabine Vivielle debuting as Morgana. Um, it's Robert Carson's um, production that was new for Renee and Susan Graham mm-hmm. Wow, a few years ago. Um, and so we, we do this revival and um, I sit in the opening and I felt like this was like the greatest thing because it was so therapeutic. Mm to spend like, you know, three hours and five, 45 minutes with Handel's music and go for the journey of those characters. And um, I came home and I said to my wife, you know, this was like really almost like healing mm-hmm. tonight to just, and it's not even kind of shutting out reality, Mm-mm. but just feeling, helping, helping us heal from, from what we're suffering from. And again, finding that, that purpose Absolutely. That's what music should um, do, I think. And that, that, we, that that's still happening and that that's still working. I, I've, again, I felt so grateful and so privileged to be able to witness that. I love that. And your job, you, there's no young artist programs to, to train you to run an opera house. There's no manual that comes with running an opera house. I confirm <laughs> it's really learning by doing. You what? <laughs> I confirm it's really learning by doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like, I applaud you. Like, yeah. Three words that best describe you. Um, I always, the first thing I would say is serious, but then I can also not be very serious in a 
right? Funny way, which I mm -hmm. which I like. Um, passionate about what I do, um, and I think grateful, really, because I'm I'm so incredibly grateful that I fell into this life of, of opera and art. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. If you could choose a magical power, what would it be? Oh, I think the magical power of making people happy. I think there's too many unhappy people. People should be happy. Thank you. I love that. I would love that power too. Honestly. Wand. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite place on earth? Um, my family. Aww. How is Marnie? Oh, she's a 14 year old teenager. <laughs> so it's amazing. Things are, you know, like it's wild. It's wild wow. and wonderful. Wow. Is, is she is she is she behaving herself? Oh yeah, she's a great girl. Always been. Um, <laughs> no no complaints. Um, but I mean okay. for me, you know, as a as a as a parent, um, I um, obviously loved seeing her grow up and now we have we have a two-year-old who but the, I see her grow up. I think it's just the most wonderful thing. It is. Oh. Well, I'm Miss Marnie. Please tell her I miss her. Please say hello. Mm -hmm. yeah. I will. Carrie. Okay. What's the one question that you would always love to ask your favorite opera star? Oh. Um, I mean, you know, I have the greatest admiration for you guys. Just the simple, not even the stars. I think all of you mm -hmm. to kind of have the courage to step out there and do it so the question always is and i'm really interested in that is how do you do it i mean most of you probably don't rationalize it and that's a good thing because mm -hmm. it might actually become way more difficult if you try to rationalize it um but i have the, the that probably would be my question how do you kind of can you try and explain how you do it I can. Carrie, can you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I, I love it. And I think that to be a performer, you have to have that mental capacity to do it. But I think the biggest thing for me is compartmentalizing my life. <clears throat> so when I go on stage, that's a different part of me. Mm -hmm. And I access that part of me. And that person is braver than I am. That person is fearless that, <laughs> and it's, it's just like changing hats. So that's how I do it. And I love what I do. So, Carrie? I think that you said something very important. With, with some people, you, you really um, want to tell them, try to have a life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Because if, 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 if this is just the only thing you have, it's a little bit unhealthy. I'd say a lot. <laughs> yep, I tell that to everybody. And, and my, my, my motto in life, and I say this all the time, life is more important than anything else. And if you don't have a life, and if you don't put your life first, because that feeds your art, your life oh, it, experience. It gives, you, Absolutely. it gives you the strength yeah. for the art. Yeah. I, I remember a long time ago when I was a young artist with Marilyn Horn at, at her academy in, in um, California, where she said, Carrie, don't ever forget that what this is in your throat is two little pieces of grizzle and they can go at any time. So what do you want your life to look like if that goes? 
And yeah. that was how I wanted, I wanted both. I love being on stage to answer your question. To me, it's this, I think for all artistic people, there has to be some outlet for what is brewing inside of us all the time. Mm -hmm. And it is a wonderful outlet of expressing the emotions and the emotions that have happened to your life personally, making a story and telling a story, not only with the director, but with the conductor and the musicians in the pit and your castmates, that is the most glorious and addicting feeling for me. Sure. And so when it all comes together and it's wonderful, it is the most magical moment ever, especially with the audience and that they're on this ride with you and they love it. So that is to me what keeps me throwing on a costume, working out on a Peloton bike and practicing. <laughs> Beautiful. And that's what you as an audience member, you look for that magic, I'm sure. You yeah. said that I Alcina mean, you just saw was healing. Yeah. And it heals and us too. I have to say like those moments are, they're healing for us, especially after everything that we've all lived through. It's a, it's a glorious moment to share a moment in time, live, live audiences, live performers, live music. It is glorious. Yay. But thank you for being with us. We won't, we won't take up any more of your time because we know that it's a little later. It was, there my, it was my honor. Aw. We and love you. We miss you. And hopefully so good to see you both. See you soon. It's yes. so great to see you too. And thank you for what you're doing over there and making it happen. I mean, I feel like you had this whole other job added to the job that you've already done for the 13 years and you're making it work and making it work in a positive way so that not only people can come to the theater but those that can't come can still see this art form and fall in love with it too it's brilliant thank you for what you do well couldn't do it without you guys oh shucks shucks well thank you and and um merry christmas to you merry christmas happy you. new year yeah take yeah. care you too. Big Thank hugs. you, Alexander. Bye. Bye. Bye.